0: Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. To another edition of Swoops World Late Night, and it uh, it is what September twenty eighth, twenty sixteen, and we're looking forward to a good night tonight. We're going to have uh, Bob Case uh, calling in. We haven't talked to Bob for quite a while, and find out what's happening with the Trojans. And of course, after that, we'll have. Uh, good our good old good friend uh, Anthony Davis uh, We'll chat with ad for a little bit too and uh, so we're going to have a lot of talk about uh, what's happening in the world of sports and what's happening in the world over at the SC and, and all kinds of all kinds of goodies. Always a good time we have both of those guys on so looking forward to it. We're going to take our uh, first quick break and then uh, get those guys ready to go. You're listening to Sloops World on Talkstory Radio network sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com, and this is the Wicked Saints Run Todd run back after this.
2: Run, run Todd, run You're a better man than that Why would you lie down next to that? Run, run Todd, run Why would you propagate that? Don't need more of them like that Big and tall, tough and mean Like a machine But you're not as mean as sheep. Just be as tough as you can be And stay alive You can drive through the really snow What a show, but you can't Shovel it, like firm, um, we can't bury it. Tough as you can be and stay alive. You can drive through the snow. What a show, but you can't shovel it like her. You can't bury us like her, you can't hide it like her. from sight. Run, run, time, run. This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of RAD. It's okay to rock and roll, right?
3: But don't drive home drunk. But if you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you.
4: A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Every day, I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. At 7, I shower. Every day, I wake for up For
0: those night. caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: You are listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey,
2: there's a shot on the wall. And you're listening to Swoops
0: World. Hey, and welcome back to Swoops World on Talk Story Radio Network. And uh, we're just, uh, just a couple minutes away from getting uh, Bob Case on the line. He'll just be calling in any minute now. So I look forward to that. and uh, all kinds of things have been happening this, in this week of sports and uh, just all kinds of things happen <laughs> all across the country. But uh, we're, it's always fun to have a chance to talk with Bob. And I I'll just tell you a little bit about him before he gives us a call in. Bob uh, is the uh, vice President of the International Boxing Association. He's a lifelong supporter. And fan of USC football, and uh, we, we always uh, enjoy having a chance to chat with him. That's him on the line. I'd like to welcome Bob Case back to the show. How you doing, Bob?
4: I'm doing great, Keith. How's my uh, favorite favorite radio announcer?
0: I'm doing awesome, brother. It's always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, and have, tell everybody a little bit about you, and, and get your thoughts on things. And uh, it's been too long.
4: I always enjoy talking to my dear friend Keith Lewis. You know, I always feel like it's just you and I talking. I have no idea that there's a listening audience. That's how great you are when we're talking. I feel, ah, I'm relaxed just talking to Keith on the phone. (laughs) Which I am, but, you know, there's other people listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just jump right into it, uh, because you and I, we, we always have a lot of discussion about a lot of different things, but one of the main topics that we do talk about, quite frankly, is usc football you're a long-time supporter a long-time fan and 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 you you know you you know a lot of people down there and we had talked uh a lot last year about uh you know get you know be happy when hayden leaves and things like that and uh we had a lot of hope for the the start of this season and they're they're off to a, a one and three start and uh they're uh one and three overall, and zero oh and two in the Pac-12. Uh, give, me, give me your thoughts on what's, what's going on, and and what you see for foresee for the next uh, for the future this year.
4: Well, Keith, I <clears throat> to be honest with you, I knew um, in 2015 the talk coming out of the camp there was that Sam Donald's the best quarterback anybody had seen. He could do things Carson Palmer or Matt Leiner couldn't do, and that was the talk. Now I understand Coach Helton had to probably out of Loyalty play this kid who had been there backing up Cody Kessler for th- two years or three years, and then came in. But um, you know, obviously, um, this guy is like uh, it's like a no-brainer. Seeing uh, how he came through the other day, I mean, he's just unbelievable, and that's just his first start. I haven't seen any SC quarterback do what I saw him do in his first start. None. I mean, he, the guy that was a whole different offense. He's got he's so multi-talented. He can run with the ball. He can. Mix things up. I mean, it gives the complete team a whole different look. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as what they've done so far, I didn't expect. I think Clay Holton and I'm—I've been telling all my friends. I think he's a great coach. I just think he took over all of Hayden's mistakes, and you can't come in there and turn the what a guy did in five years destroying that program. You can't come in there and turn it around in one. In four games. Yeah. Now you know, and I, I was telling some friends of mine today. I mean, it's really interesting, you know. And, and Clay, I mean, to me, you got to give this guy time. He's a, he's one of the most solid guys I've ever seen, as I told you on this show before. He's like a role model kind of guy. He's a guy that you'd want coaching your son. He's a good man, a good family man, a good role model, and he knows football. I mean, his whole family. But you know, I was, I was telling some friends of mine the other day. I mean, Jim Harbaugh in two thousand seven was four and eight at Stanford. In two thousand eight he was five and seven. Bear Bryant in nineteen fifty eight at Alabama was five, four and one. A guy by the name of John McKay in nineteen sixty at USC was four and six his first year.
1: Yeah.
4: And the second year, nineteen sixty one, he was four, five and one. Now here's the really good one. Well Pete Carroll, his first year was six and six, and he was one and four in the beginning. Nick Saban, the great Nick Saban at Michigan State in nineteen ninety five was six, five and one. In nineteen ninety six he was six and six. In nineteen ninety seven he was seven and five. And nineteen ninety eight he went back to six and six. So, you know, you see these Hall of Fame coaches, they all need time to get their feet wet, you know, and you can't come in like, and wave a magic wand and and do, uh, you know, do this whole thing. What, what you know, that place is, it's not just football, it's baseball, it's basketball. I mean, uh, you don't get me going on that baseball team. I mean, Justin Dato, the baseball coach is a, who was there, and his father, Rod Dato, the Fields Dato Field, is a dear friend of mine. I talk to Justin every day, and it's unbelievable what's going on over there, you know. So it's like, you know, you just see, and it's, and it all has, we you know whos fingerprints on this whole thing, as as Scott Wolf, the Daily News writer, so eloquently uh, printed out. You know, he said Hayden's fingerprints are on all this stuff. You know, I mean, I'll give you another example. They 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 got all these guys that were so-called five-star recruits that haven't done anything. So what does that tell them? That was bad people bringing in the wrong people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. So I mean, if you really look, what Clay Helton has to work with. Not really a lot of st- I mean the offensive line who, who it, during the se- beginning of the season they saying, oh, that's just one of the strongest offensive lines. They were number two out of 127 Division one schools in starts for the offensive line going into this year. But let me tell you something. They are the so- I, I, they play so soft and and you know all these uh, you know penalties and, and that's you know I talked to the great Ron Yerry the other day for two hours on the telephone. And he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, played with the Minnesota Vikings 14 years. He's in the College Hall of Fame. He's in the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. He's in the SC Hall of Fame. He's in every Hall of Fame you can be in. And he said to me, Bob, one thing I know is something about offensive line. I've sat in rooms and talked about him with other, other great offensive linemen for hours. And he said... He, he, like, he's not like the normal fan when you go to a football game, and they're watching the quarterback, the running back, the wide receivers. He's watching, he's got the binoculars on the offensive line. And he said, and we were talking about the coaching situation over there, and he said, I'm just going to tell you something, Bob. He said, No coach ever missed a block. And he, he was telling me, uh, you know, all these uh, penalties they have, that's con- he said, that's concentration and discipline. And that's not the coach's fault if these guys have been there for years and are still undisciplined. You know, that's something you either have or you don't. I mean, they're soft. You know, that's what Lendell White was tweeting on his thing. He said, why is this, these offensive linemen picking guys up, you know, off the ground, the opponents and stuff? They should be stomping on them. You know what I mean? That's You need some tough guys. You know, when when you had Reggie Bush and Lendell White, you had Deuce Latoui, an All-American that played in the NFL. You had Sam Baker, a three-time All-American. You had Fred Matua, the... Another Samoan tough guy that was in the NFL. You had you had tough guys, you know, playing the offensive line that were digging holes and they they were. And the other thing Ron Yeri told me, uh, Keith, is he said he said Bob, the offensive linemen are not supposed to wait on their heels for the defensive people to come after them and just block. They're supposed to actually go after the defensive people. Right. And they have, and they don't do that at SC. He said they're 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 you know, he said he's really really disappointed. So then you wonder why Ronald Jones and. And Justin Davis hasn't been, you know, running for a lot of yards, and the quarterback doesn't have a lot of time to throw. Poor Max Brown didn't, you know, he's not the fastest thing in the world, but he didn't have a lot of time to throw, you know. And the, then therefore, it'll, it'll, everything really goes around the offensive line because it's three and out, three and out, three and out, and then your defense is on the field all the time. And the, you know, they suited up for the uh, Utah game. They sent thirteen offensive linemen and six defensive linemen suited up for that game. So you can't have the defense on the field the whole time. Right, you know, it's just ridiculous. It's it's crazy. These guys are their tongues are I mean, They're only human. So you know, and it's the offensive line needed to stick it up and do you know. And Donald, he can make up for some bad offensive alignment by being able to do other things. You know that you can't just sit back and wait for him to pass because that kid can do anything.
0: Well, how do you he, how, how do you how do you change how do you get the the offensive line? I mean, the, the change has to be made, and that's. And that's gonna, you know, I would I would assume that the coaches are gonna have to to, to step up and, and and get these guys. Uh, get these I guys know they're working on it. I know Clay right is.
4: Right. I, I know Coach Felton is working on it. I really do. I mean, I've seen him out there. I've seen this this Callaway yelling at these kids and everything. But you know, there's an old saying: you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. You know, <laughs> and it's like, it's uh, you know, it's what do they really have to work with? You know, I mean, I, I there's so many of those guys when they first came in there. The guy from Saint John Bosco, Mama, he's you know, he hasn't done what I thought he was gonna do. And that the one kid, the big Samoan kid that was a center, they played tackle and center, he's hurt for the whole year. So they've had some injuries there too, you know. So they have but the bottom line is I'm always I I, I really believe in this coach and I think he's gonna do great things. I really do. I think he's the right guy for the job. I really do. He's He's got so many good things going for him, but we just need to get some wins for him, you know, and that's what I'm hopeful. I mean, every it's like the, there's no schedule. Like, SC has the number one toughest schedule in the country. So you have a new coach coming in with new coaches with a team that's got the toughest schedule in the country, bar none, bar none. You know, Alabama and the, all these teams. I mean, you know, even Arizona State's 4-0 now, and they're, in the, I think, number 26 in the country. Colorado, I mean, all these teams they play, there's not going to be any easy games for them on the slate this year so i mean it's it's one thing like some of those sec schools they play two tough teams a, a year so they you know it's easy to get up twice a year but it's a lot harder to get up you know 13 or 14 times a year you know what i mean
0: yeah and i you know i understand you know you got a coach you got to give him time to to, to get his you know establish his uh, put his stamp on the team uh, you know a lot of the recruits weren't his and, and whatnot and i and i, I get that and, and and we we've talked for for a number of years about um you know the previous administration there and how many coaches those kids have gone through and and, and you know some of that is I, some of that is i think has to do with that these you know these kids have been under uh, so many different systems in the last few years uh they don't know which which end is up but um, you know, like you said you can't you can't coach toughness. That 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 comes from within, and uh, I, th- I also think he needs to uh, have some time to, to uh, to to build a program. So uh, you know, I, I hope I hope they give him you know four or five years to to try to establish himself and build a program. Absolutely, and 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 see where it goes from here. Uh, have you seen improvements? Uh, you know, this we could just scratch the Alabama game. Let's just take that off the charts, but. Uh, Utah-Stanford and then uh, Utah-Utes. Uh, have you seen improvement over those last years. Absolutely. Weeks?
4: Yes, I did. I mean, U- Utah State, they looked great, but that was Utah State. But uh, I thought they really looked good last week. I mean, they, I thought they should have won that game. They really should have. And it was just bad breaks. You know, that, that fourth and 15 penalty on number eight, Iman Marshall, killed them, you know. Yeah. And there was just a couple other things that, you know, I, I had the feeling watching that game when, when SC got the ball, there was, I think, 18 seconds left. If there had been a minute left, SC would have won. You know what I mean? That's what I felt. I, I just had a feeling that, they, you know, they would have won it. If Darnold had another minute to work, I think he would have won that game.
1: Yeah.
4: And, uh, you know, it's just uh, there's, there's some major things. They're still making mistakes. The three fumbles really hurt them. You can't fumble on the road three times in the first half and expect to win the game. You know, so it's one thing if you fumble and your own team recovers the ball, but when the other team recovers the ball, it's very tough to win the game. You know, and, that, and, and you say that, you know, with the wet ball, SC's not used to playing in the rain. You know, you can make all the excuses in the world, but they should have hung on to the ball, you know. So, and, and that's, the physical mistakes happen. Yeah. they're not Fumbling is not a mental mistake. You know, so, sure, so you might hold the ball better, or teach them how to hold the ball better, but I'm sure they'll learn from that, you know. And uh, I just, I'm, I, I'm kind of an optimist with this coach. You know, some of the other coaches they've had, I wasn't an optimist with when they were like this. But with this guy, I just think they always say cream will come to the top. And I really think this guy is going to come to the top. You know, I mean, like I said, um, there's so many decisions, bad decisions made down there from the president of the university who should have, you know, stuck to the computers and uh, getting people from other countries in the university and stay out of sports. You know what I mean? In other words, that guy... Uh, I guarantee you, he never made the high school ping-pong team. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, the, the, the bottom line is we get, you got guys like that making all these decisions, upper management decisions, and um, I think they lucked out with Helton. I just felt that was a – I still believe that's a lucky break. And, the, you know, the SC fans, let's be honest, they're spoiled people. They're spoiled. You know, they've had 11 national championships and da-da-da-da-da-da. We're SC. We're, no, you know, it, I just told you what Nick Saban did for four years at Michigan State. You know right. what I mean? you got to give them time. It does. You don't build a program in one year and turn everything around in a year from five years of uh, poor athletic directorship. You know what I mean, or whatever it was, five or six years. Think, you know, so
0: I, yeah. And a lot of these major programs, you know, you 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 you, they, you set a standard, and uh, I mean you know, people come and expect it, and you can't you can't really blame them for that. But uh, I, I I get where you're coming from. You still have to give the the new guy a chance to. Uh, to kind of build his program because it's like starting over, even though you have a reputation and you have a ex- high expectation. It's like the Lakers, you know. Uh, you know, everybody. The Lakers won all these championships and stuff, and and people just expect them to win. And they've they've had some some pretty bleak years the last uh, number of years. So, I, but I, I think uh, we we get spoiled when you when you're around these kind of programs that you expect. Oh, yo yo Keith. This
4: interesting. You, I, I mean, think about this. This I was telling. Who was I talking to the other day? I was talking to Ron Yerry about this. I said. It's weird. Now you, I know I follow the Pac-12 closely. If you start at USC, even in the shit years, if you start there, you're more than likely going to play in the NFL. Now, yeah. name me another college that if you if you're a starting tackle, a starting defensive back, a starting cornerback, a start that you 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 have a really good shot to play in the NFL. Now, I, I'll give you an example. I was watching an old SC Stanford tape from when Lane Kiffin was the coach and Jim Harbaugh was at Stanford. And it's like every guy playing for SC, Robert Woods, Jarrell Casey, this guy, that every guy's in the NFL, you know. And and they, you know, it's, so what does that tell you when the team is shitty and the players are going to the NFL? It tells you the, the poor coaching. I mean, look at Sua Cravens, who was totally in the wrong position this whole SC career. He's cut. He is ripping ass up there in the NFL right now. You know, he's rookie year. Yeah. So you know, you you look at some of these guys. I mean, Kevon Seymour didn't start one year, and he's starting for the Buffalo Bills. Is, you know, he was drafted by them in the fifth round, I believe, and he's starting for them. So you look at you look at all these guys. Are, I mean, I always knew Kevon was a player. I mean, he, this guy—they—they they were so stupid there. They didn't even know that he, he had eye problems. And they, in the NFL, they tested his eyes, and that's why he needed glasses. So they got him glasses. Now the guys and the guy was like always on top of his uh, players as a defensive player, but he he couldn't uh, make receptions, you know, interceptions and stuff. Right. Well, now they know why. Now why didn't USC figure that out? You know what I mean? So it's like, um, I mean, there's so many things. It's like the baseball program. I was talking to Dato about the baseball program. Now think about this, Keith. The team was 500 last year. Now in the history of USC. They had more players drafted in the Major League Baseball draft, 11, and they had another guy that was not drafted signed. So they had 12 players sign pro contracts, and the team was 500. Now, to take it even a step further, out of the 12 players that signed contracts, seven of them were pitchers. So you had seven pitchers on SC last year that are playing professional baseball now, and the team was 500. Do I need to say any more? I mean, uh, it's like I know people that walked out of games because of the poor decision-making, poor, but it all goes back to our old boy, doesn't it? It yeah. all goes back. It all goes back to him. You know, all these bad, bad, bad hires. And, you know, uh, it's, it's you know, you know, the guy, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I, It's but, you know, he's gone, thank God. So, you know, but it, it, we just hope it doesn't take 10 years to clear it up, you know.
0: Well, you know, the, the, yeah, that being said, uh, two things. One, uh, getting back to the football team. Yeah, two guys that uh, that had legal problems right before the first game and get get booted off campus. Uh, how much did that affect the team? You think?
4: Well, all that stuff. You know, I mean, he was a five star recruit, Osa Messina, and he supposedly raped and sodomized some chick. You know, I mean, you know, and then the guy, the other guy with him, Donnie Hill. Um, they're from Utah, uh, it's just, it's a really, it, it, I think it kind of really tears down the moral of the team, and they've had other problems there, you know, they've had a, they had a kid miss the game last week because of grades, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, they've got a lot of stuff going on there, you know, and um, it's the caliber of the kids, you know, it's, you know, there's an old saying out there, like Juju Smith, you know, he's a great hustler and a good player, and Adoree can't do it all. You know, he he played. He can't play defense and offense and everything. And he looked tired in that last game. He had a guy six five on top of him, and they were. And that's what you know, what got him. But he had a hundred yard kickoff return and everything. But you know, there's there's so many things that, as you as you know, Keith, I know you were a football player, a linebacker. There's so many things that go into making a football team. And um, you know, I I still think the main thing is at the top. Is you got to have a guy that believes that's a player's coach, which he is, and believes in his players and everything. You know, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, I don't know if you know who Joel Klatt is. He's a Fox Sports analyst. He was on the Colin Coward show last Thursday, mm-hmm. and he said that Washington uh, coach Chris Peterson, the, the Washington Husky coach, and San Francisco 49er coach Chip Kelly would probably both, either or, be at USC if it wasn't for Hayden. In fact, I'm reading this article here. It says, "I think if it had been better in the administration ranks, Chris Peterson would have jumped at the job." Klatt said, "I think Pat Hayden was incredibly insecure as an athletic director. He wanted everyone to tell him how good he was. He didn't want to go out there and have to convince somebody at the risk of telling him no. I mean, and even that, even I mean, think about this. I, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed. Think about the Penn State." had an assistant coach that was molesting little boys for 10 years.
1: Yeah.
4: And they got all the wins back. Paternal got all all his wins back. They got all... Think about Miami University. They had that Shapiro guy that was taking players out, getting Mm -hmm. them laid, taking them on yachts, getting abortions for them, giving them money, doing it. They got all their stuff back. And think about SC, who had a player, Reggie Bush, who was a great kid, by the way, whose stepfather, who's not even married to his mother now, who lived in San Diego, took money from an agent. Now, how would Pete Carroll, he's got 100 kids there, be expected to know what, what the fathers of the kids are doing? Right. So what do they do? They take the national championship away, the Heisman away, and what does our white knight in shining armor do? Nothing. He's like a soul bug. He rolls up in a ball, and... And the point is, it, it's still, um, you know, I told you, Clay Holton spoke at the Recruit Dinner last year, and he says we have seven Heisman Trophy winners and 11 national championships. And that's in right with Hayden about five feet away from him. That's the first <laughs> time I've heard that,
1: I've heard that said.
4: But um, And we do. I mean, Reggie Bush won that Heisman Trophy, and they should have never given that Heisman back to the Heisman. But the point is, you've got a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, you know what we call them, limp, limp guys running that whole Organization and that's what you get. You know, right. they're, they're, instead of we're SC, we're not taking this sitting down. I know attorneys that were high SC grads, friends of Brian Kennedy's, that were that were going to take that case for nothing against the NCAA. So you know, somebody wrote it, a
0: book. I forgot the name of the book. I, I remember reading a book, and they basically, right in the middle of it, they talk, they kind of talk about how how Hayden just uh, laid down and, and, and took it, didn't, didn't fight for it, and, and, and some of the other coaches actually uh, kind of got a kick out of it. They kind of were surprised that he was uh, st- just
4: giving in. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, on top of that, then we find out he's taking millions of dollars from a nonprofit organization, you know, which made national headlines, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, what is, who hired this guy? You know, what was his qualifications to be the athletic director? You know, what What did he do? You know, so it's like, it's on and on and on and on. You know, I've told you the whole story. I mean, if you took the SC press guide right now, and I've been around that place for a long time. People don't believe me when I tell them this. And you know your history, Keith. If I said to you, Keith, in 1974 when SC won the national championship, a guy named Anthony Davis finished second in the Heisman Trophy to Archie Griffin. Yeah. And the reason he finished second, because the votes were already in before AD beat Notre Dame single-handedly on the, the famous run-back game, and they came back after being down 26-6 to and beat them, the, the, maybe the greatest sports event I've ever been at. Now, who do you think was named, and you can look this up in the SC Press Guide, the MVP for the game by the coaches?
0: Who, who would that be? Pat Hayden.
4: (laughs) Okay, now we'll take it a step further. Who do you think at the Athletic Awards banquet that year was named the MVP of the team?
0: Don't don't tell me Pat Hayden was.
4: Yep. When Anthony Davis finished second in the Heisman and should have walked away with the Heisman, as all of his teammates, Charlie Young, Charlie Phillips, all the guys he played with told me he should have walked away with the Heisman Trophy. You know, so, I mean, you know, and, and does that guy ever get I know he's your, I think you're, he's your guest on here tonight, but that guy never got the credit. I mean, if you look what he did, he's still, in the history of SC, number three behind Marcus Allen and Charles White, and they played four years, and he played three. He's still number three in, in rushing. He was the first SC rusher to gain 1,000 yards a year for three years. And, you know, and, and besides all the kick returns and kickoff returns and all that stuff, I mean, the guy was like, uh, he was a second string field goal kicker. He was, a, he kicked off on, on you know, kickoffs and stuff. I mean, the guy could do it all. And, yeah. um, and it's just amazing what, what you see what goes on. But like I say, you know. To me, the guy woke up on third base. One day, and is dumb enough to think he had a triple.
0: <laughs> let's uh, let's 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 talk about his 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 other teammate. Uh, and and I know he hasn't been there long enough to, to make to make a difference yet. And uh, but sometimes people say, "Be careful what you wish for; it could be worse." Uh, do you think you yeah. think uh, Lynn Swan's gonna? Can anybody be any worse than Hayden? Or do you think do you think Swan's gonna do a good job over there?
4: Well, what do they both have in common? They were both teammates. Uh, and uh, being on a team at SC, I think I can think of about another 80 guys who are on their teams with them. Does not qualify any of the 80s to be the athletic director at USC. Yeah. And neither one of them, in my opinion, have ever done anything. I mean, uh, both of them were announcers, and they were only announcers because uh, you know of their football. But what does that have to do with being an athletic director at USC? You know. Uh, Steve Lopes, who's the system athletic director there, and everybody's opinion I know should have got the job, but uh, you know there's you know L.A. is a city of starfuckers and. Uh that's what this athletic director is you know he goes for the name and uh, oh we're gonna bring this guy and we'll bring this guy oh, you yeah. well like I said I hope he does great yeah uh, and I guarantee you this he couldn't do any worse
1: <laughs>
4: uh, I can guarantee you that you know and I know he won't be making the stupid decisions this other guy made you know yeah. so you know whatever whether his is conducive to be a, 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 a you know like a a billboard for USC Remains to be seen, you know, but um, I I, that does even if people don't like his personality, if he makes the right decisions behind the scenes, that's the key thing. As I told you on the show before, I never heard any kid say I'm going to USC because of the athletic director. You know, I mean, Mike Garrett, won the Mike Garrett was, in my opinion, a very good athletic director and won the Heisman Trophy. And you know nobody went to SC. Oh, we, we have a Heisman Trophy winner athletic director, and he was a, Mike was a great football player, a great Trojan. And you know, look what they did under his prowess. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, they won a national championship in baseball, and three in football, and you know, I mean, you can go on and on. And uh, so they bring in uh, these other people, and we'll, we'll we'll see. But like I say, I just hope he's smart enough to give uh, our coach, our head coach, not you know, go with all the media hype and all this other stuff. You know. All these guys, all these colon cowards, and all these people talking. You know, most of them. You know, what do they know? You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're. But, 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 you know, they don't know. You know yeah. I mean? They, they, you probably played more football than all of them together. You know what I mean? So it's like.
0: <laughs> well, time will time will tell. And uh, we got the know. Arizona Sun Devils this week, and then hopefully we'll 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 see a win out of that, and then they get back on their, get back on their winning ways. Uh, I think we all uh, want to see Helton succeed. And, yes. uh, and and you know the, he seems like a, he seems like a decent guy and uh, and, and you know uh, I think he's a great coach yeah, you know I yeah.
4: really do but he, he, it's almost like you, you just they got to stop what's going on around there and a, nothing a win this Saturday will be the greatest thing that could happen for the kids for the coaching staff for that for everybody you know what I mean it's like a boxer I always say in boxing a guy's as good as his last fight you know what I mean they they always judge oh Manny Pacquiao or Roberto Grant, what they do in their last fight. You know what I mean, and that's that's how they judge him. And it's the same thing with football fans. Or, what did SC do last week? You know what I mean. I thought they look. I th- I, this Darnold guy is given. You talk about giving that team an injection of a blood transfusion. This guy is like, mark my words, Keith. I want you to remember I said this. This guy will either be con- contending for the Heisman Trophy or win the Heisman Trophy. You know, I, I mean, that's what I think of him. I mean, he is just off the charts, and he's tough. He's six four. He can run. He makes me proud to be a white guy. The guy can run. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, uh,
1: the
4: guy. It's like he can do all kinds of things. He's got a great throwing arm. You know what I mean? So it's like uh, I'm really looking forward to watching the kid play.
0: That's good. And then and we we'll see we we'll see what uh, what happens. I think we I think he's he's shown some things, uh, some promise. So uh, look, we look forward to seeing him seeing him do his thing, get his get his opportunity to shine out there. Yeah. We uh, you know, we we've talked to you in the past. We know we know you know you you had a, a wonderful wonderful history of, of a lot of things and, and working a lot of things and working a lot of places and and I want to ask you about a couple of different things. I know you're, you know, you know, the vice president, of the International Boxing Association. You follow boxing a long time. Uh, since we last spoke, Bobby Chacon passed away. Uh, did you know Bobby Chacon? And, and what can you tell One us? One of us.
4: He went to. He was a year ahead of Anthony Davis at San Fernando High School and one of the nicest, sweetest... Uh, you know, he had a little dementia going on the last 15 or 20 years, but even in his dementia days, he would come up and kiss everybody and hug everybody. Johnny Tapper used to get mad because he'd come up and kiss his wife, Teresa, all the time, you know? <laughs> and he was, he was just like a big teddy bear and everybody loved Bobby, you know what I mean? He was always just a sweet, the sweetest, nicest guy in the world and he just had a tragic life. His wife committed suicide and all that stuff, you know? But oh, um, I went to... Ryan O'Neal invited me to go to this Uh, Banquet Sunday at the... uh, It was called the West Coast Boxing Hall of Fame. It was at the Judy Garland Hotel, or Beverly Garland Hotel over there in Lancashire, in Hollywood. And, you know, it was a... They had a beautiful, you know, little thing for... They inducted all these people in the Hall of Fame there, and they had a wonderful little setting for Bobby Chacon. It was very nice. And, you know, he was loved by everybody. You know what I mean? He was just really loved by, you know, all kinds of people, you know. So, uh, it was it's nice to see all the boxing people the place was packed with former fighters and you know yeah a lot of a lot of old boxing friends it was great to see that
1: wow wow
4: and, he, and he'll he'll go I mean he's a hall of famer you know he'll yeah. go down he's one of the first real fighters from the west coast that was ever inducted into the international boxing hall of fame in new york you know so he's a, a terrific fighter wow and a wonderful guy just a wonderful wonderful kid i mean i never saw him ever Act like a jerk, or he was loved. His fans loved adulation. Loved people. Just loved people in general. You know what I mean? So, I really, uh, really gonna miss Bobby.
0: You know, it's it's, you know, you you know. I think that's the the highest compliment we could pay. You know, a lot lot of these people we hear about, we we know about from from watching them do whatever they do, whether an actor, TV, you know, on TV or the movies, or or athlete. And uh, you know, you you know what their what their their talent, where their talents lie. But uh, so often you meet these people, and they're, and they're jerks. And so when you when you when you hear somebody say, "Hey, the person was a great guy or great 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 woman," uh, it means I think it means a lot more than just what they were able to do in their profession.
4: One thousand percent correct. I mean, I'll give you an example. I was you know Ryan O'Neill and I went about three weeks ago up to Vegas for four days, and at the Caesar's Palace we were at a boxing event up there, the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, and then we went to this thing. Now the whole time he can't even go out and go to the bathroom and they're mobbing him. you know what I mean? And yeah. people coming up with their cell phones wanting to take, the chicks wanting to take, he asks every girl sit in my lap for a picture. I mean, think about that. You know I mean? He's eating dinner, and they're coming up and shaking his hand and talking to him, and he is so gracious with people, and that's what I like to see, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he, 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 he loves his fans, you know what I mean? I mean, he... He doesn't, you know, I mean, that got, that's got to get old after a while. You know, I said, I said, God, you can't even go to the bathroom without 100 people jumping you. You know what I mean? So it's like, wow, you know. And uh, so he had his son, Rudman, with him. He had a son with Farrah Foster at Rudman, and he was with with us at the dinner. And Rudman's a nice, nice kid. Yeah. So it was good to see him.
0: You also were, uh, you know, you work for Casey Stengel. And uh, I know that we've talked in the past about a new book coming out about him. Uh, what's happening on that front?
4: Oh, it's it's, it's really, uh, they're, 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 it's coming out in uh, Kindle, and, um, uh, and Marty Appel is actually doing it, I believe. He's doing the whole narration on where you get it, you know how you get it read to you? Oh,
1: the audio
4: book, yeah. Yeah, audio book, and it's coming out in Kindle. It's coming out in three different, and then the book itself is coming out in March. They've already got it all published and everything, and, uh, and, and it's called Casey Stingle, Baseball's Greatest Character by Marty Appel. And you can see the cover on the uh, internet. If you go to Casey Stingle, Marty Appel, you can see the cover. It's it's a great shot of Casey on the cover of the book. So they've already got the book all done, and I'm, I can't. You know, what I told Marty, I say, Keith, I said, you know, I was with this guy every day for 10 years. I thought I knew everything about him, but I guarantee you, I'm going to learn things about him I didn't know because Marty. Is one of the top writers there is. You know, this is Double Day's publishing this book. It's 447 pages. I think it's 47 chapters. But Marty has done, um, you know, finding out where his sister when she passed away. This finding out what what his dad did, what his brother Grant, did, you know, that they they rode horses. His father with you know, just everything you can find to know about his childhood. You know, I mean, you think about Casey, you know, it's amazing. People always when they interview me, they're they're shocked that I'm not 100 years old. You know, go, you, you, are, you work for Casey Stigler, I can't believe it. I mean, because, you know, he played in the big leagues. I was 20 years old when I went to work for him. Yeah. So he, he played in the big leagues in 1912 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He broke in in 1912. He went 4-for-4 four four in his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And, you know, so he played in the major leagues for 14 years, 1912, I think, till 19, I don't know, he played with the New York Giants in the World Series. I played against Babe Ruth in the 19... 19- 16 World Series when Babe Ruth was a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox and Casey was an outfielder for the the Brooklyn Dodgers and then he played two years in the World Series with the New York Giants 1920 for John McGraw. So, I mean, the guy besides his managing stuff, he had a just a great great career, you know. Yeah. I was tell- <laughs> I was telling somebody the other day, this is what a character the guy was. He used to call me, I'd be like 20 years old and he he was he, he he wanted me to pick him up at the airport and he'd go this is the way Casey. How you talked on the telephone. He, instead of saying, you know, I, if I call you, I say, "Hey Keith, it's Bob Case. How you doing?" Or, you know, "Hey Keith, it's Bob." He, I I'd pick up the phone. The phone would ring, and it was, it would be, be down at LAX at eleven o'clock. <laughs> Slam. Not, hi Bob. It's Casey. Not, not. Uh, with, hey Bobby, can you make the? Can you make it? Are you available to make it to pick me up? You know, just bang. And so I would be down at LAX at eleven o'clock. You know, but I mean, the point is. And he wasn't doing that to be rude. That's just the way he was. You yeah. know, I mean? he was just—he was a character. He was a character, <laughs> I mean, really a funny guy.
0: Oh gosh, you know, uh, speaking of uh, legendary folks, uh, we're coming to the the end of an era here. Uh, Vin Scully's got what one or two more games. He's going to announce for the Dodgers. Uh, I mean, he's been—I think he's been announcing sixty-five odd years. Uh, he's all I've ever known as far as uh, when I think of the Dodgers. Uh, what are your thoughts? I know you probably—you probably know Vin.
4: Yes, and I've been fortunate to meet him and be around him for years and years and years. And I can just tell you this, and I honestly, I can't think of anybody else. I told you when Amali died, how great he was and everything. Scully, I have never, he was here in 1958. Now, think about this. I lived in La California in 1958. I was like 13 years old. And we, we would go through the neighborhoods at 9 o'clock at night in 1958. The sun was it hadn't set yet. It's hotter than hell in the middle of August. And you would hear Scully's voice. People had their windows open because it was hot. You could hear Vin Scully through the whole neighborhood. And, you know, when he came out here, little old ladies didn't know anything about baseball. But they all, I've said, Vin Scully, forget everybody else is the most valuable Dodger of all. Maybe the most valuable guy in the history of baseball. In other words, and that's including everybody. In other words, this guy is such a humanitarian, such a wonderful person, genuinely good, genuinely nice. He's helped so many people. You know, there was, I read an article in the Daily News the other day. Some little Hispanic get lady had Vince Scully's face tattooed on her arm. And she went up to him, and, and he saw it, and he said, Honey, why did you do this? And she said, Because I listened to you. She came from ten. Kids in her family in East L.A. and she says, "My dad loved you. We'd all we couldn't afford to go to Dodger Stadium, so we'd all sit and listen to you." And she said, "My father passed away in 2001, and so you're like my father now." You know what Scully did? It, it chokes me up. Like he took her downstairs as his guest and and had dinner with her down that little place by the club level down there on that where the dugout seats are. Yeah. In other words, he is such a good human being. I mean, just the kindest, nicest, most... The players love him. You know, he's never been in any controversies. He helps people. He he will always be there for the little guy. He's always been polite. He's always been... Now, it's, you know, they have to kind of have guards around him now because he's, you know, almost 89 years old. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, uh, He's, uh, but what a, what, I mean, it's, it's I'm going to be, it's, I, I'm going to feel like I've lost something when he retires. Does that make sense? I mean, oh, yeah. all of us, all of I us. mean, it, not to hear his voice, his voice, I mean, it's, you're cleaning out your garage. Listen, my dad used to sit in the backyard and drink, uh, you know, with his bourbon on the rocks, listen to Scully, you know, sitting in the sun by the swimming pool, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, he loves Scully. My dad, he died in 1880, or uh, 1989, but I mean, it's like, that's what Scully is. He's generation after generation, and you know, it's like. It's, it's, it's just hard to blame. He's so sharp for his age. I mean, he never makes a mistake. He's unbelievable. I listen to his games, and I hear him talking, and I think, my God, his, his recall, he's talking about stuff that happened in 1950 and 45 and 19 when he was born, and now his favorite player was Mel Ott. I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. Uh, and, I, he, and
0: I love, I love that he he will he will be tell, he'll, he'll tell a story about a player, and he, he goes, you know, this guy came up and whatever, blah blah blah, and he had a pet dog, you know, nah, 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 fastball over the plate for strike one, and then he just picks right. I mean, he never misses a beat. I mean, he just he, he never, he, and, he, and he knows so much about so many people and. Uh, uh, you know the little backstories that he tells are just uh, so interesting, and, and you really and like you said, I mean, I remember sitting in the garage with my dad, listening to Dodger games on the transistor with Scully, uh, you know, yep. doing the announcing. So, and that was well, in the
4: old days. of oh, God
0: No, I was lucky enough to uh, to uh, have a friend, uh, a short term friendship with his son, Michael. Uh, for a couple of years uh, before he passed away and uh, he was a solid guy and will uh, bet, d- bet. I didn't even know his dad was Vince Scully for about the first 6 8 months I, I knew him is just, that right yeah, he was you know just, he wasn't living off his dad's name and
4: uh no, know, he was proud no. of
0: him but uh, you know he was he was his own guy he, and he inherited
4: some of that humility from his dad yeah. that's what it sounds like yeah. you know that's so true. it's like his dad's the most humble human being you'll ever want to meet you know he just he's so uh you know Great about what he's doing, and it's just—I um, just think he's just been great for the not only for baseball, for the world we live in, you know.
0: Yeah. You started to say something, Bob, and I—I kind of jumped in there.
4: Oh no! I—I I, 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 no, It must have been a lie because I can't remember <laughs> what <it> was. So. <laughs> hey,
0: before what? we wrap things up, man, anything, yeah. anything going on you want to tell our folks about? Uh, I know you—I know you stay busy with a lot of different things, and you got a lot on your mind. Any uh, anything you want everybody to know about that uh,
4: you know it's coming up? Well, I just hope all of the people in LA are excited about the Dodgers, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about them. I was telling, I mean, I have a funny feeling about that team. I mean, if you think about it, Keith, when, when they lost Kershaw, they got better. That's a sign of a strong team. I mean, when Kershaw went out, I said that's the end of their season. They they they, and all these guys came out. Now think about this: their catcher has 27 home runs. Is Grindal Yeah. Mm. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez has, I think, 23 at first base. Uh, Chase Utley has got 12 at second base. The shortstop, Corey Seager, has got 27 home runs as a rookie. The third baseman... Justin Turner's got 25 homers, 26 home runs. And the outfielder J- Jock Peterson's got 25 or 26 home runs, and they got all these other good guys like Yasiel Puig and this 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 kid uh, Taus, I think his name is. They brought up. You know, They've they got uh, this Bob and another kid they brought. Up. They got all these kids, and now their their pitching is just they got this DeLeon kid. I think he pitched tonight. I don't know what he's doing, but it, 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 Kershaw's coming around. Everything seems to be coming right around, and, and I believe this Dave Roberts is, should be manager of the year. What a great job he's done with all the... They've had like 30 guys in the DL, and they're six games in first place. You know, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very, very excited to see them. And, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, they got to face the Cubs and the Washington... I, I think the Washington Nationals the first team they play. But the Cubs and the Red Sox look great in the American League, so... You could have a Dodger or Cub Red Sox World Series, you know. So it'll be – I'm kind of following that with interest. It's
0: that looks good. Well, Bob, like- as always, man, it's a, it's a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you and, and catch up with you and, and get your thoughts on a lot of different things. And it's always fun. We always enjoy it, man. Thank you well, so Keith, much. Well, Keith, I
4: always enjoy talking to you. And keep rooting for the, the men of Troy.
0: Absolutely. Never going to change that.
4: Okay. God bless.
0: <laughs> you too, brother. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bob Case, everybody, and uh, it's always always a pleasure to have Bob on the show and, and get a chance to chat with him, and uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and get Anthony Davis on the line. This is uh, You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, and uh, I think we're going to, yeah, how about a little bit of Michelle Mangione, and uh, this one is What Is a Saint? Back after this.
1: for the love of it What is a saint to you?
0: on the line welcome to our world today what's your question
3: our continents make up 29 percent of the earth's surface meaning that 71 percent is comprised of water man automatically adapts to environmental conditions so why do
1: i need to take swimming lessons
3: are you ready for kids who eat healthy good nutrition can lead to great things to find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed go to mypyramid.gov brought to you by the ad council and usda
0: Talk Story Radio. Hi, this is Kelly Z. I'm Casey Reagan. We're from Music You Can See
2: and Ameriblues.com and Kelly's Lot. We are swooping in at Swoops World. Got word
0: this morning. to And welcome back to Swoops World and Talk Story Radio Network. Let's get AD on the line.
3: Good evening. Good evening. I'd like to welcome
0: back to the show our good friend and colleague, five-time national champion out of USC in football and baseball, played in the NFL, and always a great, 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 great commentator of world world events right here on Swoop for All. How you doing, Ad? <laughs> I
3: don't know about all that. But
0: I'll take it. <laughs> Always. I'll fun. take all of those. I'll take all those compliments. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Uh, how things been going, man? Well, you just got off the phone with a good guy that you might know, uh, Bob Case, and uh, he's always a, a pleasure to chat with, and uh, he had plenty of things to say. And I'm going to get your comments on some of those things.
3: Well, I mean, I know, I know when Bob's on anyone's uh, radar, it's, it's always interesting. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just jump right in with it. Uh, you know, we, we were talking about uh, your alma mater, uh, USC, and uh, the fact that they start, you know, they started off one and three and zero uh, and two in the in the Pac-12. Um, you know, we've we've all uh, got a, had high have high hopes for them. Uh, you have mentioned in the past that you uh, you know, uh, the new coach, uh, Clay Helton, has got to get his, uh, get his system in place and have time to, uh, to get things going. But what are your thoughts? What have you seen so far? Uh, and, and, you know, we could, I'll scratch the uh, Alabama game. You know, that's just, just but the, the, the last three games, uh, Utah State, Stanford, and the Utah Utes. What have you seen that have, that have been good? And what have you seen that needs improvement?
3: Well, first of all, I mean, talent-wise, pound for pound, they can match anybody in the country. Look, you know, they have to – everybody's not in sync there. What I've seen is the fact you got to give Hilton a little – got to give him time. You know, you just can't just try to replace coaches, you know, and they've had already had three coaches in five years. That's not good. Yeah, That messes up your program. That messes up your recruiting. I just say just give him time. I mean, you know, the Alabama thing is a watch. I mean, Alabama just was a well-oiled machine. Uh, and the rest of the losses uh, – uh-huh. In my opinion, they should they should have one loss, but that's me talking because I'm going based on the kind of players they have in place. But as I've always preached, it's system, and everybody I see that everybody's not on the same page. But but that's that's just time, and learning everyone's and learning everybody's movement, coaches and players. So you got to give this man time, and if and if he falters the rest of the year, so what. I mean, it's just going to take time to turn around uh, the program, and I just hope they improve the rest of the year. Now, if they don't show any improvement, that's that's going to be the, the decision of the powers be. But I just say you got to get the man time. Period.
0: Yeah, yeah. one of the uh, one of the losses was to Stanford. Uh, they lost Stanford twenty seven to ten. Stanford came to the Rose Bowl this past week and played UCLA, and UCLA uh, looked like they had them on the ropes. They had them on the ropes most of the game, and then uh, Stanford pulled it out. Uh, you know, you said Stanford's one of the teams to beat in the, in the Pac-12. Do you think? Uh, do you think that they, uh, you know, they got a little rust on them last week, or, or they just uh, UCLA uh, stepped up and played a good game?
4: Well,
3: UCLA played a good game, but it seemed like for some reason in the fourth quarter, it looks like they were playing not to lose. But see here, here from 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 afar, here's Stanford's situation. See, Stanford, they. What I've seen, observed, and this is what my opinion is, is that they are ball control, and they control the clock, and they try to wear you down. And as each quarter goes by, they're trying to wear you down. But they have a well-oiled machine as well, and uh, and everybody in that program, from what I see, is in sync. I'm sure that the big the big gun there is, is McCaffrey, but I mean they make it work, and and they're just going to get stronger and build on this year. Yeah. They're going to get they're, they're, they're going to get stronger.
0: They uh, UCLA seemed to hold McCaffrey in check, uh, you know, all game, all game, and and, and uh, looked like their 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 D line was uh, was holding uh, Stanford's O line uh, in check most of the game too. Um, I'm, what do you see from UCLA that's positive?
3: Well, Rosen is a good quarterback. Moore is a good coach. He just need, and he's going to build. going to be there right at the end of the year. I mean, uh, just give them time too, because he's he's replacing people like Miles, Jack, and, and you lose a guy like that. Even they lost him last year in terms of injury. Yeah. But I mean, they have a good. They have a program. And they're building their program. Their situation is totally different from USC. You know, the UC, USC has the talent, and I don't think UCLA has the talent up to that par. But but his his system's in place. But he just needs talent in that place to make it happen.
0: What uh, you know, the, the SC plays plays the the Sun Devils this week uh, at home. Uh, what does SC need to do to, to kind of turn things around? Uh, you know, they, they they put the other quarterback in. Uh, like you said, they have a lot of talent. There, you know, they're, they're working with a new coach, basically a new, you know you know third coach in five years. But what do they need to do to get to get things uh, get things rolling? From I mean, from somebody like you, you know, you know the tradition at SC. You know what what people expect out of the out of the uh, university, out of the Trojans. Uh, what do they need to do to get get on that path?
3: What I would try to do. I don't know what they did this. I don't know what they did, and how they're playing for this week. And you know, it's it, it's really easy from afar to try to criticize or tell what he should do. You know, from a former player standpoint, I like to see the simplified offense, do some basic run offense, blend it in with the pass, balance it out from from scrim from from both sides of the line of scrimmage, and do it that way, and try to play a ball-controlled game, and, and be you know and and, and and work on all cylinders. I haven't seen that yet. I could be wrong, and I, obviously they got some great special team player, play, playing, and that's what it is. I think they got to play. Simple football, but strong football, and have great special teams.
0: We uh, we, we we watch these we watch these teams uh, week in and week out, and especially the collegiate level. There's so many, there's so many teams, so many games each week. Uh, you know, you, and you get the you know the Big Twelve, you got the S C C the ACC, um, and I know you watch a lot of it, and you kind of keep track of it here and there, but. You know, overall, you know, we've heard of some of the big teams that that you expect to see every year, but who's surprising you so far just a few weeks into the season?
3: Well, first of all, is Houston and Louisville. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 these programs are shocking everyone, and uh, they have talent. But like I've told you before, and over the years I've known you, swoops, mm-hmm. uh, the situation is on any given day, anybody can beat you. And now there's a lot of parity in the country. So Louisville is showing that to me, and the University of Houston is showing that to me. And who would say that Oklahoma would, would start off the way they have this year? I mean, but, you know, they come up against Ohio State, which is a juggernaut. But here's the two teams in the country that will beat. The two teams in the country that beat is Ohio State and Alabama, in my opinion. But the two surprise teams that are there are Louisville and Houston. And and, and, and this weekend, we're going to see what Clemson does against Louisville. But that quarterback back there can run and he can throw. Yeah. You see, so those are the two surprise teams that I see in the country that are surprising everybody. I'm sure they are. No one expects to have this quarterback at Louisville and accumulated the kind of touchdowns, both run and from the pass standpoint. I mean, he's doing he's, he. I mean, he's having numbers off the chart. It's unbelievable what he's doing. I mean, that's Superman numbers. Now, now, now you'll <laughs> now you'll tell you'll tell what he does down the stretch. Now, if he maintains something like this, this would be something we've never seen in NC two A football history. You know, but he's putting up he's putting up video game numbers.
1: Yeah,
3: that are insane. Now, i like to see him versus Ohio State or Alabama. and he can do it against those two type of teams, then that, that's a phenomenon.
0: You, you know, it's interesting you, you mentioned that. You know, you watch some of these games and you see you know some of these teams and some of these players, and uh, even though there are, is parity across the country now, you know, it's not the same if you're playing uh, uh, against Marshall as it is if you're playing against Ohio State. Uh, and sometimes you really, it's hard to tell and, and, and as a scout uh, as a professional scout you know how do these guys take some of that stuff into consideration and take chances on some of these guys who looked outstanding in their in their leagues but really have never played uh, you know teams like an Ohio state or, a, or a Michigan or you know even NSC
3: Well first of all you got the NFL scouting but like I said the best scouting department in the NFL is the New England Patriots now, if they're scouting people and they know who to go scout to fit their scheme and fit in their system, okay, and they know how to buy being a player and see how they can in- increase and embellish their system. So, what they do, they go study these players. A lot of a lot, a lot of guys is hit and miss. The Patriots are the ones who are the most consistent in the league. And when they see when they zoom in on a player, they definitely know this player can play for them. Right. I don't know. I can't tell you what the rest of these teams are doing, but I'm a Patriot. Uh, Patriot, because these this organization, you say whatever you want about them, they have they have they have their their everything in check in their organization from A to Z, from the ownership to the play, to the football field, and when they see players and when they scout players all over the country, they know exactly what these players are about and how they can fit in, and everybody in the league should take note of how they scout and draft. It's it, it, it's 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 phenomenal how they do it. It's because, all- it, because they've been around, they've been consistent for 13 straight years. Right. From Bledsoe to Brad to, to, to Brady. And that's credit to owner of the craft and Belichick.
0: It's always interesting when you, and you hear these stories, you know, uh, of guys coming out of these small, small colleges, small universities. Uh, and, and some teams, some team sees them and takes a chance on them. Some of them go undrafted. And then, uh, they get picked up and uh, play the scout team a few years. The next thing you know, they're you know they're, they're making plays in the Super Bowl, and uh, like you said, it's it's uh, it seems to be consistent with certain teams, especially the Patriots. They find these guys and, and that are you know fifth rounders and, and make them the stars. And Pete Carroll's kind of doing the same thing over Seattle the last few years too.
3: Well, you know the, the two teams are the Patriots in the, the Seahawks organization. They do the same thing. Great scouting. Great judge of talent, and that's all part of coaching too. So, uh, and I believe I believe people from other organizations, if they played in the, in, in the, in the Patriot organization, they would flourish too. Yeah. But that's a credit to uh, the Patriot organization what they've done over the years. And yeah, they could take a they could take a fifth round draft choice. They could take a free agent and make him look like a Pro Bowler versus another team not being able to perform and getting cut. It's, so, you know, that's the difference.
0: <laughs> you know, what's, what's uh, another thing I find interesting, you know, there's a show that I watch every once in a while called Undrafted. And uh, it's, it's, you know, they usually follow five or six players around who who didn't get drafted. And, and this season, uh, the, uh, the kid Bercovici, who played for Arizona, who uh, came in and beat SC a couple of years back, he, he's one of the guys who are following around. And it's uh, you know when they they actually get to go to some of these things they don't make the they don't make the, the combines so they get to go to these secondary type uh, combines and it's how important uh, the forty is per per your position and I think you and I have had a talk about that before you know and and it seems like there's a lot of weight on that but uh, it's really not the it's not as important as they make it sound sometimes is it
3: well you know I mean. There's a, fast, there's, a, there's a fast 40, there's a quick 40, and that's just a 40. You know, I mean, the 40 is important, but it's not that important. Football is a game of quickness and quick feet and movement, laterally and frontward and backward. But, you know, there's such thing as 40 time times for such thing as game time speed. Right. You know, so, uh, and that's a judgment call with scouting, too. And how a guy can use the speed and get in a different positions. Each position, it, it, the 40-yard dash is important, but then a lot of times it's not that that critically important. It's always good to have all the speed in the world, but you know it varies from player to player.
0: Right.
3: And in position to position. So um, it, it, it's important, but a lot, of, well, a lot of ways overall, it's not a crucial thing. If, if you're skillful in all the different techniques that they want and want to see, then... That's good enough for most teams, and definitely is good enough for a Patriot organization. I'm always going to go back to the Patriot organization because they set they've set the standard, okay? Yeah. In terms of development and seeing how guys, and they can look at a player and tell how they can fit in, regards what his speed is and what his speed's not.
0: We have talked about uh, this a lot. Uh, your, your passion for uh, the you know the CTE studies and, and, and brain injury. And uh, I notice you know, a lot of times we talk about it, and we talk about it in football. And you usually, you, know, you usually make the point that you know, first first and foremost, uh, a lot of our military guys are, are coming back with a lot of traumatic brain injury. Let's, let's talk about that. I understand you you met some of our military people recently, and and what were their thoughts?
3: Well, I met an ex marine, and, and and he we had discussion. He goes, he, he you know, he recognized me as a as Anthony Davis, the, the football player, and. We started chatting around close to my office, and uh, he was telling me stuff like when he, when he, he, he served in Desert Storm, he, and, he, and he was there in the early days of the Iraq War, and he was telling me how these guys were getting concussions just for the sounds of the guns, the big guns going off. Wow. And, uh, and, and I, I told him one of the biggest things that I talk about is the soldiers coming back anyway with brain injuries. I mean, you look. You look at the soldiers. You look at the NFL. You look at boxing. Look at MMA. You look at soccer. But those are, those guys are the first guys and foremost the people who have really had some serious injury. And and like I've always advocated, to you, the United States government. Any time a soldier comes over and fights for our country, when they step on this soil, they should be taken care of. And I was talking to him, and I was thinking for his service. And I told him I was something about the study that I had, we had with the Dr. Amen clinics. And I actually said, you know, try these two packets and tell me how you feel. Because he was telling me that he's in good shape and everything else, but in the mornings, he starts off slow. And uh, he's dealt with with some concussion issues, too, while he was in, in Iraq and everything else. So I said, try this. Because... You know, when I talk about this concussion situation, I think about all of the is- all the areas of where concussions come from, like I just mentioned earlier. And I always think about the soldiers first when they come back because they got more issues than anybody. Yeah. So, uh, I discuss that. That's serious. And like I talk about the National Football League and all these sports, and especially when it comes to football, is that I. I, I I'm really going to push the effort from the fact that I want the owners of the National Football League to be able to take care of the guys who built the brand and made the brand. And we discussed that, too, and he thought that was a good idea. So uh, it was a very passionate thing for me. And, you know, me studying being the first football player, NFL former NFL player, to be the, the father of the study of 175 guys, which you can go to the Internet and you can go – a lot of the stories and find out and find out about the NFL brain study under the Amen clinics. You'll see how he started this and revolutionized what he's talking and what he's doing and what his supplement program and what I'm on. It has been a godsend for me because based on taking, uh, based on the program I've been under for the last eight, nine, almost 10 years, the difference is unbelievable. I thought I was fine. I had some issues. <laughs> I, had, I had some issues. So I'm very passionate about it. I've been working with the clinic for a long time. People like Dr. Christian Willimar, Dr. Amon himself. And uh, and so I'm very passionate about that. Whenever I see people, especially one of, any of my colleagues who played in the league, the first thing I tell them you need to go get your brain checked. You need to go get a scan. You need to go see Dr. Amon. You know, do your research, look around. See, see how you he can help us, because anybody who plays football, anybody who puts a helmet on their head, or in contact sports, you're going to have some kind of brain trauma, and I emphasize that.
0: Do you think uh, do you th- are, are guys starting to take notice, or you know, I'm not, are they starting to take kind of a, a serious look on on, on doing things uh, in the off season to to kind of uh, improve uh, the damage that happens throughout the season?
3: Well, repeat that. You broke up a little bit, what'd you say? Are
0: are you are you coming across guys that are, are, are doing things to uh <clears throat> you know, as far as health wise and, and little things to uh you know to, to you know to recuperate Well, I did not
3: think during I, didn't, I didn't. I of not I do the yeah. think of program that these the on. of i not have the kind of the that i League on. What the like to see school, the National Football League and NC two A and high school. I like to see them implement a program like the aiming clinics and the supplement program they have. I mean, if you're going to get hit, if you're going to get hit in the head, you should be on some kind of a program. You should be on a supplement program. You should be doing a hyperbaric treatment. And you know, a lot of people have not embraced it because I think a lot of people are naive about it. A lot of people think it's hokey pokey. It's not. It's good therapy and, and, it, and it's good study behind what's going on. Everybody needs to embrace this program because they have treatment for everything else, but the brain. Yeah, you got to take care of the brain. If your brain's not working properly, nothing's going to work. You walk around like a zombie. So, uh, but no, they're, they're not, they're very naive about this, this stuff. And that's the reason I'm trying to educate people as much as I can. And I would like to go around, uh, the country or anywhere and speak about that, of my experience and what, what is needed and needs me done from my novice standpoint, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist. But I know enough to get my message across
0: yeah it's interesting I, I watched uh a football life and uh this past week i think it was Rodney Harrison, and uh he kind of spoke about that he he spoke about he spoke about uh you know brain injury uh he said that you know he, he he's sure that he he uh he, he you know he took more hits to the head than uh he probably should have he said that uh he said some of the similar things you said. He says anybody who straps on the helmet takes that risk. Uh, and he says, you know, we want to, we you know, things are, we want things to be better. Uh, he doesn't. He says he'd still play football. He play, he'd do it all over again, even knowing the risk. Uh, and he works with his kids, and he's trying to teach them the proper proper techniques. But he did say, you know, he he played with Junior how He talked about that, and he and he did talk about, uh, you know. More care for the brain and, and try, to, uh, try to, you know, put it, uh, not eliminate completely because it probably won't happen, but try to make it uh, better for the guys and, and, and do something about uh, all these concussions.
3: See, what I want to do is reach out to Rodney. Reach out to Dorsey Levin, Bill Romanowski, and all these kind of guys are talking about this, because I'm the only former player who has a set program. I have a book out, and I and I'm the only one who who started advocating all of this way back. So I would like to collectively get together with these guys, and what I would like to do, working with the Amen Clinics, is go around the country talking about this because it's needed. You see, so uh, there's there's an outlet for help, but we need to collectively get together. A lot of people don't even know that we have it. I'm sure some of them have maybe heard of it, but they don't know how extensive it is.
1: Right.
3: So I would like to sit down and talk to a Rodney Harrison. And those being these guys and educating what I know, because I'm the only guy that's been out there doing it. I'm, I'm sure people have been out there trying to figure out what's wrong with their heads, up, but I'm on a program that's helped me tremendously, and I've been rehabbing my brain for ten years. Yeah. And it's, I'm telling you, it's it's been a it's been a world difference.
0: It was interesting to hear him and his wife talk about it, and he said, you know, sometimes he has to have. He says, you know, he feels a little, you know, a little off. He has to have his uh, his time where he just kind of goes and sits in the dark in his uh, <clears throat> his uh, movie room, uh, just t- trying to trying to get himself straight. Uh, uh, but he says he's been he's doing better than he was in the past. I don't know what I don't know what treatment he's doing or what he's been doing, how he's going been going about that. But uh, he did acknowledge it, and I think that because of people like you uh, who've been speaking on it and stuff like that, I th- and Doctor Amen, I think people are starting to acknowledge it exists even when the uh, NFL was trying not to say it, was, it wasn't, didn't exist. And then you had the movie and everything. So I think the word's getting out slowly but surely, but uh, a whole lot more can be done.
3: A lot more can be done. It's it just, it just a form of education, being aware. But, you know, we're going to need to help the league as well. You can't deny because every week somebody's getting hurt. Every week, somebody's having a concussion. It's being obvious. Anytime now, you can see now, if a guy looks woozy and doesn't move right away, they're on the field and it's, a, it's concussion protocol. Right. So, I mean, they're already they're walking, working at different. The, but they're not doing it enough. I mean, look, if you're going to bring your head, you might as well have a supplement program in hand and have all the facilities there to do that. I mean, to try to combat and, and if anything, get a guy on his way after he retires out of the game. Exactly. I mean, any, every, t- every time a guy finishes the l- playing ball or whatever his script, he better get treated because it's just the nature of that game. You're going to hit your head, and that's going to be it. And then the collisions are unbelievable. So if you're going to play, you might as well prepare to start treating your brain. Same thing with everything else. Anything with the boxing. Same thing with MMA. Same with the soldiers. Same. anybody has any kind of contact board like that, they should be on this program
0: i got a question for you. Are, more, are different positions more success, successful than others?
3: Absolutely. Well, you know, of course, linebacker position, running back position, uh, those and offensive linemen, those three positions are unbelievable, defense and offensive line, because usually they're always smacking their heads all the way right away.
1: Yeah.
3: And then, you know, the wide receivers and definitely the, and the quarterbacks uh, don't get the same kind of stuff that most other players do, but they get enough hits. And the guys will probably avoid all the hits of the kickers.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, so you know. But every once in a while, one gets might get clubbed. But the bottom line is, they don't have the contact that everybody else is, is uh, right. gets.
0: Exactly, exactly. When the uh, uh, you know when 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 you, when you did the book and it's it's out and people can still find it, uh, kickoff concussion: How the Notre Dame Killer Recovered His Brain. Uh, where are the places people can find that? I know it's on Amazon, it's on Lulu.
3: Well, the uh, Book Soup, uh, but those are the three outlets: Lulu, Amazon, and Book Soup. Mm-hmm. And uh, go get is it. a good read, and and it's educational. I mean, you'll get something, you'll get something out of that.
0: Uh, absolutely. One of the uh, one of the last things I want to chat with you about. I know you you were a big baseball guy. You played a lot. You were a national champion in baseball. It's that time of year where we're heading into the playoffs, man, and uh, and, and things starting, to, things starting to heat up. Uh, you're looking forward to it, and, and I know you, you you've benched some teams in the past to look out for. You, you're, you're the same teams. You still think the the Red Sox and uh, who else did you say? You said some other teams are teams to look out, teams to
3: beat. No, I mean, I mean, it's it, to me, it's San Francisco, and Kansas City, still. Yeah. I mean, you know, those teams are still in the playoffs until they're knocked off. It's still the same. You know, and and those two teams are still in the playoffs. I mean, they might be wild card or whatever, but uh, but as you know, the Giants became a wild card one year and won the championship. I think they won four in the last six years or something like that, or three times in the last five. I'm not sure the count.
1: <laughs>
3: but but the, bo- they, the they bottom the bottom line is that a Trump next a lot.
1: <laughs>
3: Yeah. So I mean, so those are the teams to be. You know, that's it. I mean, you can talk about all the potential, whatever. Even the Dodgers won in the NL West. But they've done that before, but they've never won the big one.
0: Yeah, I think they've. I think and they've, they have
3: to beat the Giants. The Giants yeah. are the team to win.
0: Wow. Well, we, this is the this is the time of year that it gets exciting, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what happens and and uh, who comes out on top. You got a good point. I think that I think I heard that this the Dodgers won it three years in a row now, but uh, they haven't made it to the big dance, so we'll see. Right. AD, as always, man, it's great to chat with you, man. Tell everybody where you're at every week, man, where they can find you.
3: Well, every weekend, I'm at the Tavern Bowl in Costa Mesa. I'm hosting all the USC home and away games. And uh, it's a nice atmosphere. If you want to go down and bowl, you can bowl. If you want to go out and watch all the games, you can watch all the games. If you want to talk football with AD, you can talk football with AD, get autographed, Sports Illustrated cover. You can also acquire one of my throwback jerseys. So I'm there every weekend, and I'll start there at 5 o'clock this Saturday, USC versus Arizona State. Let's see what happens.
0: Nice, nice. AD, as always, man, it's a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you and, and, and talk about what's happening in the world of sports and, and other things uh, lots of times. But uh, we look forward to doing it again, and uh, hopefully people come on, head on down to the Tavern Bowl this weekend and check out Meet AD and, and, and watch the game with him. It's a good time.
3: Okay,
0: thank you. Take care, Keith. All right, you too. The great Anthony Davis, everybody, we want to thank him for joining us. And uh, it's always fun to have AD on and, and talk about what's going on in the world. And, and uh, usually we touch on quite a few things, but uh, time is a little bit short tonight. We'll, we'll catch it again next week. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. That's Hoops for Real. We're here Wednesday nights. I will be on with uh, Xander Gibb on X-Rad Daily tomorrow on Blog Talk Radio and Facebook Live, Uh, and you can check us out at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. And until then, as I always say, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all.
1: The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.